0: into our lesson on 2 Peter, and we're in 2 Peter chapter 2. If we can go directly to the slide that says the theme of 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start there and work our way through chapter uh, 2 of 2 Peter. So uh, the entire first chapter uh, has to do with how to deal with Or what is the solution for the end time uh, deception or the evil that will go on in the end time? And or what exactly is it? So we're just going to walk our way through. uh, Now, chapter three, if you grab your Bibles, uh, I'm going to try to juggle all of this here with this computer. All right. Chapter uh, 2 Peter chapter three. You can leave it right there on the theme, even though I typed that in wrong. Uh, so here we are, this the this, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you uh, to stir your pure minds by way of remembrance. All right, do, you have your, do you have your Bibles there? Can you read verse 2? That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, verse 3 is familiar. Knowing this first... Everyone say first, <laughs> y'all so quiet that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own desires or less and saying, where is the promise of his coming? In other words, they're going to mock it for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. They're going to have a theory which says uh, everything's been like this ever since the cave that that's just my little rendition of it. For this, they will—they will, willingly are ignorant of that. By the word of God, the heavens were of old. In other words, they're ignorant of the fact that God destroyed the world in Noah's day. And then, uh, uh, verse eight. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing: that one day, can you say that with me? Is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. So time doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there was a billion years. You know, evolutionists talk about billions of years. Uh, I think the current age of the earth is supposed to be uh, several billion years, and man is supposed to be several million years. No one thinks the least of that, but when the Bible says that God sees things without time, then they think that's impossible. But, of course, it's, it's true. Now, we're looking at chapter 2. Everybody say, praise the Lord. All right? Now, we're going to go to verse uh, 1. We're, I know we're reviewing here, but so we're going to go to the next slide. There were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies that is to say excuses or heretical views about uh, your hope or your future for example you, everybody's going to heaven or there's you know there's there's no there is no heaven or something like that shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction so the entire chapter is has to do with why is judgment coming and then at the end of the verse and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. In other words, religion will become like a... uh, Well, it'll be fake. It will be using people to get their money, that kind of thing. So he's describing basically... Uh, now, in, in when, you, when you get a few more verses down, he's going to give us like the shocking uh, characteristics. But right here, he's sort of introducing it. So through covetousness, which is just another word for greed, shall they with feigned words. Uh, in other words, they're faking. It's not real. They, uh, they, uh, it's feigned words. They shall make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. In other words, God has um, has it all worked out. The timing of judgment is in God's hand. Everybody say, praise the Lord. What God is going to do now, let me let me begin here to... So we're talking about the coming of the Lord. See, I snuck a... I, I hope snuck is a word. I snuck... <laughs> Uh, this a few lessons on Second Peter, so I could talk about the coming of the Lord without announcing that I'm teaching on the coming of the Lord, because in just a little bit here in next month we're going to begin a series on uh, the nations and prophecy, especially America in the Bible in prophecy and and how we can avoid judgment, what what we have to do to avoid judgment, and so the first thing that we are looking at here is that. Uh, The spirit of the end time will be a spirit of chaotic confusion where people take the Bible and they twist it. They will uh, they'll say they'll use the Bible to uh, teach things that aren't true and then they'll deny everything the Bible actually says. So uh, in a minute, he's going to refer to that. Uh, And so they will uh, destroy people's lives by uh, handing them something that is meaningless. Now, how many knows that some people don't understand the Bible? But it's not because they're deceived and they they hate God. How many knows there are people that don't have the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, but they don't hate God. How many knows that's true? There's lots of people don't have the Holy Ghost, never spoken tongues, but they love God. They're reaching out. They're trying to find God. We're not condemning every human being, but we are saying that the spirit of the last days is an age of. Bible-twisting deceit in which people will, for their own gain or for whatever reasons, someone said, well, they actually believe that Jesus never rose from the dead and so forth. All right? And so uh, it's it's a rejection of the truth that is built upon the idea that there really is no such thing as judgment. You can't judge anybody. You can't judge anything. You can't say anything's wrong. You can't say you should live a certain way. So apostolic people who dress... Godly and, and modestly and who stand for righteousness and obey the Bible's teachings on all those matters, uh, that's that's laughable to the current culture because in their minds, that's just a cultural phenomenon. And so they now say you can judge no one. In fact, this is what I call postmodernism. We've now entered a, st- a time in, in American culture in which people do not believe that anybody can declare anything to be absolutely true. But I want to tell you right now, the Bible is absolutely absolutely true and it's historically true and it is absolutely true because there is such a thing as truth there really is a god there is a god you can argue all day long about is how can there be an invisible being and or it's in your mind and psychology you can do all the things the world does but there is a god and his name is Jesus hallelujah and his name is above every name but of course the the basis of this uh, scripture twisting is that there's no basis for judgment. There, uh, nobody needs to be judged. There, Noah never lived. Uh, no judgment in the past ever took place. Uh, the fish on the top of mountains that they're finding—that's because there must have been an ice age in which it melted, and then the fish ended up there. Whatever explanation they have, uh, they deny the judgments of Scripture. And so the preaching of Noah doesn't matter. And so we go right on in what we're doing. All right. And so that's the that's the state of affairs. We find ourselves in uh, the end in the end time. Now, let's go to the next slide because we're going to walk our way through uh, verse two, three. Each of these. Let's go back here. All right. We know that's verse four. I've typed into for if God spared not the angels, everyone say the angels. So these are examples of of uh, how God has dealt with sin from the beginning of time. It begins, of course, at the before before a man was even created. Uh, Satan had sinned and he spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. And delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So the the final judgment is there's a day coming when the angels are going to be judged. And uh, we might say the demons. uh, And so uh, Satan himself was an angel. And so this particular aspect of the story is uh, central to understanding that both the, the devil that is causing people to sin. It's interesting to me, like, um, if I'm not mistaken, bef- just from getting up yesterday morning until this morning, there were two major shooting incidents, one in which 46 people were shot by a 21. I mean, I don't know for sure. Just uh, getting sketches of it in a in a, a parking lot, more or less. Uh Someone said, well, why didn't this happen years ago? Why are suddenly all these kinds of things happening? And and the psychologists have their, their explanations. But I'll tell you one thing. We're in a very troubled, chaotic culture that needs answers. And rejecting God's answers to me is like the most foolish thing you could possibly do. Someone said, well, I don't want anybody ramming down my throat. You know, while the world tries to ram everything down the church's throat. Uh, The church is not in the business of ramming anything down anybody's throat. It's a free gift. But we're not going to change the gospel so just anybody can just do anything. The gospel is true, and you must repent and be saved. You must find God. You must learn of him. Even the angels did not escape judgment. The idea that you're going to spit in God's face, and, and then that's it. Now, what they, one of these heresies they have is that when you die, you're like, you're like a dog. Now, we know that's not true. We, every human being alive knows that they're special. They know that. Now, the evolutionists will tell us that we're zeros, we're nothing. We're just evolved from nothing and nowhere. But that is also a lie. We were created in the image of God. We are special. No different the color of your skin or the money you've got in the bank. You are special to God. Now, this young man, that uh, he was probably a very sick individual. I'm not here judging him. Uh, I'm just telling you that we now have, before we get up for Sunday morning worship, 2 uh, I don't know much about the second one, but somewhere uh, there's been another shooting and others, others have been shot. Um, all within a one 24-hour period. Folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, that has got to be some kind of record. But I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is not saying there is no God. We don't need God. We don't. God can't tell me anything. The answer is to repent and turn to God. Seems to me like that makes more sense than flaunting God or saying, well, everybody's God. Everybody has a God. Some people's God is their, uh, you know, what? It, uh, well, that's nonsense. If everything is God, there is no God. So that's cuckoo. But if there is a God and he has acted in history, and of course he has, the Bible is the record of it. Of course, we all know that God is alive. How many knows that God's alive? Anybody here know God? We know God's alive. It's like, well, that's all uh, subjective. That's in your mind. No, 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 no. That's not in my mind. That is in my soul and my spirit. My mind can comprehend it, but when God comes into my life, it is a real experience. That's why I can talk to Buddhists and say, well, what is your experience? How, what, what do you know? How, how do you feel about God? Have you, how, what do you think about Christianity? We don't hate people. We love people. And we draw them into a relationship with God. And they say, someone said to me the other day, well, I, we, we don't uh, speak in tongues at our church. And I said, well, I know. I mean, you're, you're not a Pentecostal church. I, mean, I realize that. But I said, are you curious at all? Or I mean, do you have any? Yes, I'm curious about it. In fact, I almost never meet anyone. <laughs> I don't meet people that say, oh, no, I, I, I just hate those. I don't meet people. Now, years ago, when I was younger, you'd get a lot of professors at, at the university that would say uh, some pretty dumb things. But that's all changed. What's happened in our culture, people are nervous and they begin to realize, wait a minute, you're telling me your son had cancer and God healed your. Yes, I'm telling you that that God is powerful. I mean, I don't say it loud like that. But I got a microphone so I can do it right now. See, and, and some of you are still asleep. So I'm trying to help you get into this. So I don't I'm not I'm I'm sick and tired of waiting and saying, oh, yes, I've been healed. I was sick. I didn't know what I was going to. And then God. But I won't tell you that because that might offend you. No, no, I'm just going to tell people of the goodness of God everywhere I go, no matter what it is or who they are. I'm going to love them. If they say I'm an atheist, I'll say, well, I'm I'm a I'm not an atheist. I don't get it. If they can tell me they're an atheist, why can I not tell them I'm a Holy Ghost, one God, Jesus name, tongue talking, aisle running, shouting and dancing, praising God, hands uplifted Pentecostal? Of course, in this country, it's called free speech, which is rapidly evaporating. But I want to tell you something. There is a God and he is powerful and he is working in people's hearts. There are a lot of people in El Paso today that are wondering about their eternity. They're wondering about what is happening to our culture. What is going on? And that's because we are living in a time when people's hearts need to draw them to God. Whether uh, someone does some horrific deed, like we've seen, I, and uh, the second one, I, I'm sorry. Does anyone know where that one was? I I heard about it a little bit ago. In o, is it Ohio? Okay, so wherever it was, I I brought it up. I don't know. I just happened to see it somehow. Maybe on my phone as I was walking into service. And uh, yes, I shed a few tears and I said, oh, God, oh, God, look at the world we're in. Help us to get ready. Hallelujah. I want to see you, Lord. You know, folks, listen, there's death, dying children. I mean, the things children are going through in this culture and and, and in, in this world, there's a better world. There's a better place than here. Praise God. How many knows that there's a place better than what your money can buy here? Someone said, well, if I had all the money, I'd be happy. No, you would not. No, all the money in the world would not make you happy. I'm just telling you. You say, well, you've never had all the money in the world. That's the way our culture thinks. Well, when you get all the money in the world, come back and talk to me. In other words, don't ever talk to me. That's what they mean. Don't ever try to tell me about God because you can't prove there's a God. See, that's the kind of culture that we're in. But now they'll tell you they get a thrill on drugs. They'll rot their teeth out on drugs. They'll kill their their own children. Their lives are wretched because of what they're doing. Their marriages are falling apart. And then you say, well, there is an answer. They know there's an answer. They know there has to be an answer for a man that can build skyscrapers and go to the moon and all of that. There are answers. We are not just dogs and animals and and nothings. We are created in the image of God, and we must respond to him. Now, let's go to the next one. So that was And then we're going to look at verse 5, which is the second example of judgment, and that is God, and he spared not the old world. Everyone say the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person. I'm reading right from the King James, a preacher of righteousness. So there we know that the answer to sinful culture is righteousness. That's why the church preaches righteousness. Now we do have a very worldly church in America and, and uh, many, many people that have faith in God in America are as worldly. You can't many people tell us now you can't tell the difference between sinful worldly people. The Christians are taking the same drugs, getting just they're just as many divorces, just as many problems. Well that's not the answer. Just being worldly and full of sin and calling yourself a Christian cannot be the answer. That can't be the answer. No, no, no. He was a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the what? The the what? The ungodly. So an ungodly people will be judged. The question is when and... Now, the Bible teaches what we often refer to and the Bible refers to as a rapture. So what the church is expecting is that the church is going to be caught up or raptured out of the earth, which is really uh, this has become a uh, like these jokesters. I heard someone recently laughing at Christians. Uh, by the way, it turned out that that comedian was a former Christian. But, uh, and so he knew what to laugh at. The idea that the church would be caught away and would, the Lord would catch the church up and that you would instantly be caught up to be with the Lord right out of the earth. In other words, you would disappear in the moment. And does anybody believe in the rapture here today? Hallelujah. In the moment? I mean, like you blink your eye or what the King James translates, the twinkling of an eye. Praise God. Anybody getting ready for the rapture? You need to be ready to meet the Lord. Besides, even if you did not believe in the rapture, which uh, it's amazing how many people do believe in the rapture. But even if you didn't have the rapture to be concerned about, you also have your own mortality to be concerned about. You say, well, I'm 25 years old. Well, you haven't got a promise of tomorrow. The idea that you're going to live one more day and that's you're promised another day. You are not promised another day. You need to be prepared, in other words. Okay, let's go. So Noah, he, he didn't spare the old world. So why do we think because we have iPhones and cars and, and we're wealthy, especially in this country, that, uh, that he would spare us when we're evil and full of sin? He's not going to spare us. No, he's going to take his church and he's going to judge sin just like he always has. But he's waited. Just think of how long ago it was that God destroyed the world with a, the entire world with the flood. That's a long time. That's thousands of years that he's not judged the earth. And they just get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And look where we are now. And then he turned uh, verse six and eight, he turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, into ashes. He condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example to those that should after live ungodly. So in other words, these examples of judgment warn us that God will judge. And he delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man. So let let me read that again. So he delivered just lot who was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So So let me just let me just uh, be real honest with you. Um, You you don't want to let the sin of the world get into your own heart and mind, especially through television and music. Some of the most filthy, ungodly conversation ever invented by human minds is in modern day American music. And we are transporting it all around the world. So young people. uh, I, I can tell you right now, young people all over the world are waiting for some ungodly American singer who sings about you don't listen to your folks. You don't do what they say. Doesn't matter who you're with or what you do. That kind of music and that vulgarity is filling our culture through music, just music alone. Not to mention uh, 24-7 uh, television where and, and uh, all the rest of it. But, but do, it, it, and that should vex your heart. If you're a child of God and it doesn't bother you, sinful, ungodliness, and the cursing. I had a, Someone got upset because I said, well, the cursing that's going on in our culture is a sign of what's wrong with our culture. And they were like, what? I said, when your hair falls out and turns this color. And you can look back and remember a day when nobody would have ever said that. Then you will you will notice that our culture is in serious trouble. So we just say we dismiss that by saying, well, you're an old fogey. See, I've never heard anybody say you're a young fogey. I've never heard that. I don't even know what a fogey is. It must be British. You think that's British? You're an old fogey. I don't like that, by the way. I don't like somebody saying, you're an old fogey. It just, just sounds horrible. But it's not going to keep me from preaching the truth. I'm going to tell people the truth and say, you can be rescued from this world of sin. You don't have to live in sin. And then usually it comes around to this. You're not perfect. See? Ah! Love it when it comes to that. You're not perfect. You got a PhD and you teach seven languages, and you're this and you're, but you're not perfect. You see? And then I'm like, oh, I didn't know we were talking about me. Oh, I didn't realize we we're talking about me. I'm a sinner. I was wayward. I'm a nobody from nowhere, (laughs) but Jesus got a hold of me. Hallelujah. If you want to talk about perfect, I'm the least in the kingdom, and yet God has brought me out of all of that. He's changed my whole life. Then I'll usually tell him about God healing uh, Jonathan, or I'll tell him about my dad being a a drunkard for years and years and how he walked, stumbled into a church one night. (laughs) Hallelujah. I love it. I can't wait for him to say, you're not perfect. And I tell him about all the horrible mess I am. My life was shattered. I was a nobody. And then the Holy Ghost came. Like everybody say a rushing wind. Praise God. It's like a mighty rushing wind that fills the room. You don't have to be a part of a dead church that has no answers. You can be a part of a spirit-filled church like the day of Pentecost, and that's what we're in here today. We're preaching a marvelous gospel that changes the hearts of men and women. Praise God. So we're in a day where, see, the postmodern mind thinks that everything's judgmental. You're actually telling them there's hope and an answer, but... But you have to repent and turn to God. That's judgmental. Well, yes, but it'd be like saying, here comes a car. It's about to fall. It's about to run right into you. Most of us would just, I mean, most corners, if you wait, like in St. Louis, it was so crowded. By the way, what a marvelous meeting we just got out of! All oh, thirty-seven thousand young people gathered together. One night, we saw one thousand get the Holy Ghost in just one five-minute period. The Holy Ghost began to move in such a powerful way. But if you're on a corner, like Sister French, I'd have to say, uh, there between the, uh, the the hotel and the and the the big the Congress the the uh, dome the big dome there. And 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 the cars were just coming around, and then when they've started this thing in the cities, I don't know if you've seen this, but they they rent uh, scooters. That's one of the most ungodly things. No, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. Uh, Literally, they were riding scooters, and they would zoom. The mayor of St. Louis, I I, I heard this somewhere, read it while I was there, that they're concerned about people just coming into the city and then they're not capable, then they're in all this traffic because just the other day or, I don't know, just recently, a man jumped on a scooter and drove right in front of a bus. He had no idea what he was doing. It killed him, of course. Um, If someone is in danger and you say, no problem, and you see it, and the bus is coming, and you could say, um, you're about to be uh, run over Boeing. Uh, that's not the way you respond. If a bus is coming, all right, or, or the, uh, the, the traffic is coming, or the fridge is about to drop. I don't know how many people are dropping fridges, but you know what I'm saying. So here's a big refrigerator. It's about to drop on your head. You run, and you say, get out of the way. That's the way you react to something like that. You don't say, oh, uh, there's a refrigerator over here. Oh, sorry. I've... Call 911. No, that, that it's far too late once it's actually fallen. You try to save lives. How many are thankful that the Lord is saving lives and he's helping us in this, in this dark hour? All right, so we are vexed by the sin we see in our culture. Uh, for that righteous man, uh, okay, we're on the... Let's go to the next one. Dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vex his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now, okay. now we come to uh, verse nine. All right. Everybody say praise the Lord. Uh, All right. So um, so the rapture is imminent or close and uh, it is urgent for us. To preach the coming of the Lord, that we preach the coming of the Lord. Does anybody here believe that we need to let people know that the Lord is coming? For example, if you listen to me, you don't have to like it, but I want you to listen to me. If your family is lost and you don't tell them. I I don't get that. See, people that don't tell other people, they don't really believe. And I understand that part of it. But the, I'm telling you, the Lord is coming. And it's the coming of the Lord and the judgment and God's plan for the future that causes his people to constantly be evaluating their hearts. So we lift our hands and say, Lord, I, I need you, Lord. We say, what's that song? I, um, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Now I like to sing, you know, get with it. And I like I like all that. I like everything that praises God. But the soul just begins to it, it begins to say, Lord, I, I, I need you. I need you to help me. I need you. To, I can't tell you how many times this week alone. That we have prayed prayers that seemed impossible. I wanna, I'm going to go on record, Lord, and say this may be a, a Guinness record year. I mean week where you ask God to do something. And before you can turn around, God has already answered that prayer. Somebody's talking in tongues. Somebody's repenting. Somebody's life is being altered. But see, we're... we're, we're uh... Well, we need to act as though the Lord is coming. We need to live as though the Lord. That's what I mean. When I say act, I, I, I think that's maybe an unfortunate uh, uh, English way to talk because then we think that you're acting. We don't mean that, of course. Uh, the, the, it's Hollywood that does the acting. Uh, we're not acting. Our lives are not some act. We're living our lives, and so sometimes we flub, and sometimes we fail, and sometimes we we don't pray, and sometimes we're not doing what we ought to do, but we're drawn to the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I want to so bad tell what happened to our young people, but I'm going to let somebody else tell that. I mean, uh, we're getting ready Anybody getting ready for the Lord to come? Jesus is getting us ready. So the Lord knoweth how. Let's go to the scripture. Uh, da, da, da. I'm checking the time. Okay. The Lord knoweth how to deliver. Everyone said amen. He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And he also knows how to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment. He knows how to take care of everything. Now, If uh, if you were a Jew in Nazi Germany um, and someone said, well, it's the Holocaust. As though that were nothing, that would be that would be a total blithering nonsense. If someone is facing a circumstance, it's like uh, someone has, let's say, uh, uh, cancer. Let's just say that I don't want to use an example, but but let's try that one. Uh, and, and then someone comes along and says, well, that's just cancer. That's cancer. Well, you know, some people get cancer, some don't. You know, you got it. That's blithering nonsense. You see? Um, here we are in a world that is approaching the coming of the Lord. And in which God is preparing his people to be with him for eternity. Uh, it's going to be really quite interesting when he raptures his people. And it could happen anytime. We I would, Lord, I'm not saying do this. I'm not asking anything. I'm just saying it'd, be, it'd just be fun. I mean, you know, interesting. Uh, if, if we're up here having church and we're praising God, I, I do, Lord, hope that we break our record and we can't get another person in this building when the rapture takes place. That'd be awesome. And everybody goes up. Now, I know I'm going to make some of you feel bad, but not everybody's going up. So let's say there's 500 and then there. There they are. I'm not pointing over here, um, but you know what I'm saying. So so everybody goes, that's going to be quite a not probably won't happen that way. I'm just saying if it did. And so we're up here and we're praising God and we're running and we're hallelujah. And and, uh, someone's back there. That's a bunch of nonsense. Where'd he get his education? And all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. That just be uh, man, that would just be. I mean, not that he was left behind. I mean, the whole thought of people being left behind to me is that. Uh, I mean, that's like the saddest, the saddest note. Folks, you, you, you'd better wish that you're, you physically were ill than to miss the kingdom of God, to miss the rapture of the church. Jesus is coming, and he's getting a church ready for that day. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and thank God. He knows how to deliver the godly out of judgment, but to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment. And chiefly, or especially them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. In other words, the immorality. See, we're in a culture that says, forget morality. Forget morality. And the Bible says that's the chiefest problem right there. They despise authority. Okay, let's go to the next. Okay, uh, they're presumptuous, self-willed. And they're unafraid to speak evil of or to blaspheme. This is referring. OK, yeah, we're the this picture is from. Uh, this was a famous angelic picture that went into uh, Milton's. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the, the Paradise Lost. All right. So I've, I've, it's hard to find an angelic picture that you should use. So but anyway, this is a famous one. So I've used it. And and the, up at the top there, that's Michael, and that's that. This is uh, a gore's, core's, uh depiction of Michael judging the other angels, which we've just talked about. Now we're back to it, and and what it's is saying is that the end time is going to be. And I'm trying to watch my time. I've only got a couple of seconds. Uh, So the end time is going to be a time just like those angels that rebelled against God, where man will say, no, no God's telling me anything. That's the kind of culture. Okay, now let's go to the next. I want to spend time there. Now, this is going to be hard to see, and I apologize right now. I'm going to read it fast. Verse 12, but you get your Bibles. Here we go. First of all, it's going to be a culture that's that's like animals that as natural brute beasts. Made to be taken and destroyed, they speak evil of the things that they do not understand. In other words, they judge spiritual things. They don't know a thing about it. And shall utterly perish in their own corruption, verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. That is, if you're unrighteous, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. In other words, they're, they're, they don't blush. They do, they're going to do their deeds right on the streets of Atlanta. They're unashamed. Spots they are and blemishes. And I don't have time to deal with why he's calling them spots and blemishes. Sporting themselves with their own deceivings. Or in other words, they're they're reveling in deceitfulness or lying like it's a game, like it's like it's a kind of a cute little game while they we will skip the rest. Verse 14, having eyes full of adultery. And that cannot cease from sin. That means they're they're completely controlled by immorality. That's the the way that someone said, why do you think this at the end time? Well, I'm reading it to you right now. Beguiling unstable souls. So that is they they use people. And heart they have exercised with covetous practices. We've already dealt with that. And cursed children, meaning the, the curse of God is on them. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam the son of Bosor, who love the wages of unrighteousness. So there you have it. They just love that. We got listen, we got folks right now, um, we've got gang members right here in Atlanta that are hurting babies, killing kids, and they love it. But was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb donkey speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So we're reading about Balaam. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. In other words, they found out a way to make evil appealing Those that were clean escape from them, that is from this bondage, who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. They, They give the kids the drugs, but they're bound themselves. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. So they say one thing, but the opposite is true. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Let's stand. All right. We're done. We're just going to read the final verse. In other words, they're promising you freedom, but they do not have freedom. That's a lie. It's not freedom. And neither are they fulfilled. Now, some of you are not the kind of Christian you ought to be, but you're, you are trying. You're doing what you can. Don't ever let the devil tell you, might as well just go all the way. You need to say, no, Lord, I need your touch. Okay, now, here we are. Verse 21, two more. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. This is a description of the last days and we're living in it. I want us to pray for the families of those that have seen all these shootings and let's pray for Atlanta. Let's pray for this service today and let's lift our hands and ask God to pour out his spirit in this service right now.